welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family, love, and relationships. I am your host for this podcast, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, a practicing clinical psychologist, wellness advocate, and author based in Sonoma County, California. I've teamed up with Familius Publishing to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. And now I am absolutely thrilled to introduce today's guest, Justin Black, who will be with us to talk about his book, Redefining Normal, How Two Foster Kids Beat the Odds and Discovered Healing, Happiness, and Love. Now, Justin was going to be in, be with us today with Alexis, but today, instead, we have Justin and his baby girl, Mava. So welcome to the podcast, Justin. I'm so excited to have you. And I understand I have a very, very special guest because among other things, you're an author, serial entrepreneur, father, and husband. Phew, that's quite a mouthful. So tell us a little bit about what makes you, you. Yeah, so there's so many things that make me who I am. I'll put at the front of the list some of the things you said, being a husband, being a father. And being a husband and father kind of supports with everything that I want to do. We're so huge on building family and building legacy. And with as authors of Redefining Normal, we talk about how generational trauma has impacted so much of our lives for, for our grandparents and for our parents and had a large impact on our life. So we utilize intentionality in order to build our family, in order to build our businesses and our marriage. And so we are super intentional on how we can build a healthy foundation so we can produce healthy fruit for our children and those around us. So that's just a lot of what we're focused on and what we do in our lives and the relationship that we build, trying to be super intentional and focused on ways that we can serve and be leaders through service and raise our little one in that same way. You make my heart so happy listening to that, how refreshing it is to listen to a young father really talking about being intentional and the power of being intentional. So for maybe our listeners where that might not be so common or might even seem like a very foreign concept, could you lay the foundation about what you mean by being intentional? Yeah, of course. So as I mentioned, intent Generational trauma has run in my family as well as Alexis's. And I think what comes comfortable to us a lot of times is unhealthy practices and habits. It's almost natural for us to talk down about ourselves and not think much of ourselves. It's almost natural for us to, to act out the worst parts of ourselves when we are angry, doing something that is not beneficial for us mentally, spiritually, emotionally, or physically. When we are sad, resorting to things that's not healthy for us. So it takes intentionality to combat those practices and habits that were passed down to us by parents and those around us who had influence over us. It takes intentionality for us to, once we are dealing with these human emotions of sadness, resentment, stress, anger, whatever it may be, to, to sit and filter out how we would healthily process these emotions and feelings how we're going to healthily express how we feel, whether that's through writing, through having a civil conversation, through just respect for our partner, respect for ourselves and our child, through intentionality, because our, our nature is to lash out, to do things as, that is not healthy for us. 
So it takes intentionality for us to express ourselves in a healthy way. And I know a lot of people, when you are angry, for the everyday person, when you are angry, you want to lash out, you want to scream, you want to punch, you want to kick, you want to do something. But how can you not bury your emotions, but filter through it and express it, continue to express how you feel, but in a healthy way. I think that's uh, what we call an intentional act when it comes to taking care of ourselves. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, not that it really matters in the whole scheme of things, because I don't like defining people by their ages, but do you mind sharing? It's okay to say no. Do you mind sharing your age? Yeah, I'm, I'm 25. And it was funny. You're 25. Birth. Yeah. <laughs> my my birthday is in two days, so I don't know when the podcast will be released. So I'm, I'll probably be 26 when it's you'll probably You'll probably be 26. So I can tell you, you do look young because I'm looking at you. Our listeners may be listening to you by audio or video. But I do have to say, for this to be coming from the mouth of a 25-year-old, what a privilege it is to be sharing time with you and to know that what you're talking about was really hard one. Something that really obviously came through a great deal of hard work and reflection and intentionality. So kudos to you. Kudos to you. Now, I imagine our listeners are wondering, as I am wondering, what happened? What happened to take you from because we always have choices in life and we can go down a path of least resistance and being our worst selves or something can happen to us that helps us go down a path where we become our best selves. Clearly, you've made that choice in life, as has your wife. What happened in your life to make you take one path versus the other? Yeah, of course. I mentioned a little bit of it already, but I saw how these practices and habits are being played out in the lives of my parents and the lives of my siblings and other family members. And I was able to, growing up in the foster care system, I still have a relationship with my biological family. I was able to be kind of separated from the situation from the outside looking in. And I think that once we grow comfortable in these settings where we are basically so consumed in a situation, if I could come up with an analogy. If let's say you walk into a room and there's like a terrible smell and when it first hits you, you're like, oh, this, this smells terrible. But if you sit in that room, that bad smell for like mm-hmm. days and you sit in there for weeks and you sit in there for months, you don't even smell anything anymore. So for a lot of my family, we, we exercise a lot of unhealthy practices and habits from the generational domestic violence and drug abuse and really relying on unhealthy habits and substances to really heal us or, or kind of put a Band-Aid on the things that we dealt with that were hard in our life and not really talking about it. So when I was kind of separated in foster care and I was able to kind of come back and have a look at biological family and continue that relationship, I really started to take on the idea of internal locus of control. And maybe audience members can look up what it means to be internal locus of control versus external locus, but really take on the idea of internal locus of control, meaning that Wherever I end up in life, the things that I do, I won't blame or I won't say that my life circumstances will result in other people's actions or won't be other people's fault, that it'll be on me in order for my success and my stability. And it was kind of a gradual thought process. And I think one of the things that I think about a lot that we talk about in our book and the stories is when my mom, my mom been through some serious traumatic experiences in our childhood with sexual abuse, physical abuse, like almost anything you can imagine. And she got to her older age and her adulthood, 
she was okay with being a functional addict because of everything that she has gone through. She accepted that life. And for me, I wanted to not just accept the life that was given to me, but be intentional and about combating the, the practices, the habits, because I saw how it, that, that worked out in my mom's life. I saw how that worked out in my sibling's life. I was able to see from the outside looking in how I could be intentional about that. And it's easy for me to take credit, but I have so many amazing mentors and people who were successful around me, who poured into me. I ended up going to a group home where it was funded by the church and just amazing men and women around me. I was able to see other successful Black men around me. And it really changed my perspective. And they poured words into me saying that you're going to go to college and not only are you mm-hmm. going, but you're going to graduate with a, a 4.0 GPA. And they were telling this to a kid who had like a 2.2, 2.3 in high school. So imagine speaking that type of confidence into a kid who was barely passing his classes, right? They say C's get degrees. I was getting like B plus, C minuses in high school. So speaking words like that into a high schooler and eventually living up to it. And I would say that was a huge part of who I am today and how I've become who I am. So it sounds, if I'm to kind of wrap that piece of it up, that your biological family, maybe your your foster experiences weren't necessarily always positive and in fact, highly destructive in some ways, but your support group, including your church, really gave you guideposts to help you change your life in big ways. Is that, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm looking at you and I see your hat and I just love it. It says, I'm just out here trusting God. And I love that. So no matter what somebody looks at as their God, there's really a part of you that is very faith-based, very trust-based. That's beautiful. So in let's move a bit to your book. And we may have already touched about important touched on important parts of the book. But when we talk about redefining normal, how two foster kids beat the odds and discovered healing, can you tell us a little bit about that book? Yeah, of course. So a large part of it is kind of explained already, but I don't think we understand how much of our identity comes from two people coming together and deciding to have a child. If two people's ideas, you create the cultural standard, you create the ceiling, you create the floor of the expectations, how far a child think they can go. Would they work hard despite what you taught them and how you raised them? Would they be less of themselves because of how you taught and raised them? And it really goes to show that if a person only sees and experiences so much in their life, then a lot of times they're subjected to living that out. And a lot of times in my life and my wife's life, We lived out the worst parts of ourselves because it's what we knew. And we lived out our trauma and the things we we experienced that were unfortunate because that's what we knew. So going through that process was extremely difficult. But you see us as in the book, this progression of traumatized children who were with our biological family, who were traveling through the foster care system and having this process kind of take a step back of our life overall and what can we do even if being in foster care you can go from home to home you cannot have control over your circumstances and your situation but even if it's like five percent that you can control even if it's just a small little piece of what you can control how can you do your best with that and so us 
kind of detailing and teaching other people, whether you're growing up in foster care or not, in circumstances in life that you seemingly are out of control, even mm-hmm. if it's just the 1% that you can't control, how can you do the best with that and how that makes a drastic difference in your life and your future outcomes? So we try to be super intentional about that and use our lives as testimonies of how to serve, how to lift up families and communities and really show what went wrong in our family because we wanted to stop the generational trauma and barriers in our family, but it doesn't just stop with us because there's so many people. You may think our story is unique, but it's so many people who are going through the same thing and something similar that may not have had a family or community uh, pour into them or someone invest their time and energy into them. And so we can continue to tell these stories on how we can be intentional about breaking generational trauma and barriers. Such a beautiful message. And you're right. I agree with you. Trauma, intergenerational trauma, you know, difficult, we might call it poor parenting or inadequate parenting. It doesn't really confine itself to one segment of society. It is across all demographics. And so your message is one that really is applicable to people of low income, middle income, high income, where they are living out the trauma that they learned from their parents and their parents before them. So I really appreciate you shedding light on this and and being willing to be a, a spokesperson along with your wife for how important it is to own this and to make conscious changes. So thank you for that. Now I have another question for you. Familias, we're all about creating healthy habits. We have 10 habits of a healthy family, everything from reading together, playing together, learning together. What do you think is something that really helps make a family happy? I would say just something that create makes a family happy. First, that's a, that's a great question. It's not an easy one, but I think it really depends. One thing that I always try, I've learned from many parents that I've come in contact with is that many of your children will be different. So one of the things I wanted to definitely build on with my family as we start our young family is trying to make sure our environment is always fun and engaging. No matter the circumstances or situation where we have a lot or a little, we're always having fun. We're always engaging. We have an open environment where we can share our thoughts and opinions where we can support each other and we can also push each other as well. So create an environment where we can be open, honest, and loving, loving to each other and have fun and always have fun and, and really just uh, work on being there for each other as much as we can because family, you only have one set of parents usually and a certain number of children and you want to be intentional about just nurturing those relationships, creating the atmosphere of playfulness and engagement, just love back and forth and be super intentional about that. So that's kind of the foundation I want to build is just this connectedness to where, you know, when I pass away, this feeling that I give my my family is like that my dad gave me this feeling of joy, of peace, of comfort, and the same for my wife, my child. So this just giving each other a feeling of connectedness, of trust, of comfort. So I love how you said that. And I have, I want to go to one piece in particular that you talked about that I often don't hear people really address. And you said, we push each other. I know you mean that in a very positive way. 
So let's spend a moment there. What do you mean that you and your partner push each other? Yeah, of course. So there are, I mean, for example, even when me and my wife were dating in college and I didn't want to study abroad and <laughs> she she kind of nudged me and she encouraged me to do it. And I, just for context, I'm a kid who grown up in Detroit pretty much my entire life. So kid who grown up in Detroit pretty much my entire life. So I spent my first 18, 19 years of life in Detroit and never thought about traveling, never really wanted to. And me going to college, which are two hours away from Detroit, that was enough. That was like far <laughs> enough for me. So my wife really encouraged me to really go beyond and really push and really have those conversations on why, why is the fear there to travel abroad? And once I was able to kind of dig deep into those fears and understand like, are those fears real? Is this something that was passed down to me that I didn't accept that, you know, my parents, you know, we always watch the news and we would say like, oh, you go outside the country, crazy things will happen, even mm-hmm. though we're from Detroit. But, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I really had to dig deep into that fear and ride why I didn't want to. And I thought to myself, like, you know what, why don't I just do it? And I think that first leap of faith and we our first study bro was in South Korea. And that first leap of faith really was like a trickle down effect into so many areas of my life of why don't I just do it? Just do it. And then it, you figure it out from there. And it kind of created such a, a shift in me because I always think, thought that I had to have things planned out. I just be cautious. And it kind of the spirit of, of fearfulness with the decisions that I make. But she kind of encouraged me with this idea of just do it and take the risk and take the leap of faith. And that's what the kind of the spirit I want to pass down to my child as well. Of course, be smart and be cautious, but just do it. You know, just jump out there and experience life, travel to different countries, go bungee jumping, go skydiving, learn another language, study a, a subject you never heard of and try these different things. So I always want to pass that spirit down to my child as well. Well, and I can see you're being very attuned to her as you're giving her her pacifying, keeping her calm and, and happy there. That's lovely to see. Now I have a, another question for you, same concept. I imagine, but I don't want to assume, that you also, you and Alexis, push each other mentally and emotionally to evolve in positive ways. Is that a big part of your relationship? Yeah, I would say we definitely want to encourage pushing each other, but I think that it's also important to comfort each other as well. When it comes to mental and emotionally, especially with things that we've been through, the trauma that we uh, went through, I think it's important that we can comfort each other. And this is where the piece of empathy comes in. I think it's a time and place to push. It's a time and place to back off. It's a time and place to empathize. It's a time and place to serve. So I think that's the balancing act of marriage and family. With our child, I do want to pick the right opportunities to push and know when to push. I do want to respect their decisions when it's time to back off. I do want to respect their decisions when it's time to uh, empathize. So I think that's the balancing act of being a spouse, of being a parent, uh, knowing when to do those different things. And when it comes to mentally and emotionally, because those things are so serious, because there are things in our family history that could trigger us and set us off. I think when it comes to mental and emotional stress, we try to do less pushing and less approaches of empathy, I would say. Beautifully, beautifully put. I must say there's an awful lot of wisdom in you. 
So are there maybe one or two things more you'd like to highlight for our listeners today? Yeah, of course. And we, we talked quite a bit about emotional and mental health. And again, don't know the specific date that the podcast will be released, but I'm pretty sure by now you'll be able to check out information on our website at read-definingnormal.com to see our children's book. We have our children's book out called I Love You More Than Serial, uh, Mava and Dad Redefine Love. And oh my not, only, not only do we just brag about <laughs> or talk about our love for cereal in this book, but we get a chance to have a conversation with our daughter, Mava, around healthy ways to give and receive love throughout this process. So ways that, that love is about service and not just only receiving. Love is about action and not only feeling. And being super intentional around these ideas of love, uh, how we can be super intentional about giving and receiving love and talking about our love to Syria as well. So also I have a copy of it right here for the members that are. I uh, love you more than cereal. I love you more than cereal where me and my daughter tackled this complicated subject called love over a bowl of cereal, our favorite meal in the world. So we encourage listeners to check that out at our website at read-definingnormal.com. And really what we want to do is just encourage leaders to love and how love and leadership are interconnected. They can't be separated and you can't love without leadership and you can't be a leader without loving. Beautifully put. You give me chills. It's just, I mean, it's such a pleasure. It's such an honor to speak with you and to speak with someone who has so much love and respect and kindness and giving and wisdom to share. It's such a privilege. And thank you for being with us today. And listeners, I'm going to spell the information for you. This was Justin, J-U-S-T-I-N. His partner who wasn't able to be with us today is Alexis. And their last name is Black. And of course, Mava has been with us this whole time. You wouldn't know it. She's such a quiet little love. And the website is re D-E-F-I-N-I-N-G-N-O-R-M-A-L, re-definingnormal.com. And Justin, thank you again so much for being with us today. It has been such a joy and a pleasure. No, thank you so much. And we just definitely appreciate all the love and support. And we want to continue to just have these conversations around uh, redefining love, building healthy families and marriages, because these ideas influence so many people in their lives and is really of the utmost importance to us because of how many people's lives are, are improved because of a healthy marriage and family or unfortunately destroyed because of an unhealthy marriage and family or relationship. So this embodies a lot of our working with organizations that are serving youth who come from either foster care, come from traumatic experiences, working to create a life worth living, working with universities, so professors, students themselves, and their personal development, career development, and creating other products and services in the entire curriculum for these populations as well. Thank you so much. You are such a wealth of information. So listeners, you know where to find Justin and Alexis Black and to connect with the beautiful work they do. And Thanks again for being with us today. And as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familius Publishing for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes and social media. If you'd like more wonderful Familius content, 
be sure to visit us at familius.com where you will find our Habit Hub blog as well as a spectacular selection of books for family. One step at a time, we can and will make the world a happier place. Thank you for sharing your time with me, Dr. Carla Marie Manley. It has been a joy and a true pleasure. Be well and shine, shine, shine as only you can do. Okay, so Justin, could you tell us about your social media? Give us a blurb of where our listeners can find more about you. Yeah, of course. So you can find out more about all things Redefining Normal on our Instagram and TikTok, which is The Blacks Redefining Normal. We won't be doing too many dances, but we (laughs) give it some good information, some fun stuff, making cool videos, and really just trying to educate people around these subject matters on family, generational trauma, and generational success. And our Facebook is Redefining Normal Movement. And again, our website is Redefining Normal. And if you want to contact us directly for any speaking opportunities, uh, trainings, or workshops, feel free to contact us at info at redefiningnormal.com. Brilliant information. Thank you for sharing that. It's perfect for our listeners. So now you know more ways to find Justin and Alexis Black. <laughs>